Father, we exalt your holy name. You and you alone are worthy of glory. You and you alone are worthy of honor and praise. And Father, we honor you in this moment. Your name is holy. Lord, we pray that your kingdom would come in this church. Not just in this church, that it would come bursting out of our lives. And not just in our lives, that it would be made manifest in this neighborhood, God. Not just this neighborhood, but in this nation, in this world. Lord, we pray your kingdom come. On this day that we're commemorating hope, we're remembering, Lord, you came into the world once. If you did it before, you'll do it again. Lord, I pray that you would renew hope in us. Lord, you would spring it up in us, Lord. Lord, I pray that your word would do the word that you have uh, destined it to perform, Lord God. Lord, I pray that I wouldn't say anything you don't want me to say, but Lord, I pray that you would give me the words to say and I would speak them with power, with boldness, and with authority. Lord, I believe that you've already begun the work of readying the hearts and the minds and understandings of each person in this room, God. We are your people. We are the sheep of your pasture and we're here. We're ready to hear from you, God. We are waiting on you. So Lord, send your spirit. Send your power. Send your freedom, God. Your people are here and we're waiting on you and we're hoping in you. Our hope is built on you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, so like it's been said many times before, Leah put it, Leah and Brooke put it super beautifully. This is the first week of Advent. Now the word Advent itself means coming, right? So in the Christian faith, we are celebrating the first coming of Jesus Christ. And we celebrate that during Christmas. We say, you know what? God promised that he would send a Messiah, and he did that. So we're celebrating that. And Advent itself is a season of waiting. Because when something is coming, it's not yet come, right? So whenever we say that something is coming, we're in a season of waiting. We're in a season of preparation. We're in a season of expectation. So this week is hope. It's a reminder for the church to keep hope alive that Jesus is coming. Like I said, if he did it before, he will most certainly do it again. So for me personally, um, talking about hope is a little uncomfortable. I make it a point to not get my hopes up about things because I hate being disappointed. I just, I just can't take it. I hate being disappointed. Um, and this goes from like the mundane like sporting events. So I would be completely happy, I would live my life totally fully and completely if I never saw another sporting event in my entire life, live or on television. And my dad uh, used to watch ESPN a lot. He had summers off, and so I had summers off, and there was just a lot of ESPN and in the heat of the night to be watched <laughs> in that house. So I have like a really good understanding of several different types of sports. Like I know, like I can tell you that John Starks wore number three in 1994 for the New York Knicks. Like I just, I know random stuff like that. But the thing that I don't like about sports is that rooting for your team don't mean that they gonna win. So I have 48 minutes of literally, of, and our family, we're Knicks fans, and Knicks just love to break their fans' hearts. They love it. So literally 48 minutes of being like, okay, y'all are up by 35, and there's two minutes left. There's no way y'all can blow this. Yet and still, the Knicks, still they persist. They find a way. 
And the same thing goes with tours. I don't like to ask anybody like, you know, Urban Doxology, when we go places, people are like, let's take you on, a, we'll go on a tour. I'm always the first one like, nope, I ain't going. I'm going to read my word in my room. Like, I hate it because I have no control over the situation. I have no control about when the next stop, like when it's going to be over. I go, I think like, have you ever like gone to visit a friend or a relative? Uh, yeah. And they pick you up from the train station or the airport and they put you in the car. And they're like, hey, yeah, glad to have you. I just want to show you a few things first before we get to the house. And you're like, no, God, no. And they like are taking, they're showing you the school they grew up, they went to school in. They're showing you their grandma's first house she had when she was a little girl, their favorite. But they make you get out the car to say hey to their aunties. And, stuff. and you're just like, I want this to be over. 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 And some of you maybe have that, have that feeling when it comes to sermons. When you just are like, I don't know when this, is this point going to be their last point? I see she got several sheets of paper still up there. So I think some of y'all know, it just, it hurts too much to hope. It hurts too much to hope. But I see hope in its purest form in one of my favorite games. Can you put up the picture? Not that one. Monopoly. Can y'all see this? And it's kind of faint. Mickey, is it possible to turn on the stage lights a little bit? Okay, so if y'all can see, this is what this is your poem right here, all the way at the top, and you getting ready to embark embark on an adventure of a lifetime. <laughs> I mean, you can either roll a one or a thirteen, and that's pretty much all that's gonna keep you safe. So, I mean, but if you're the person who has all those houses and hotels, you've invested a ton of money, right? And so you're hoping and praying that this next person, you're like, you got to land, you got to, you got to land on something I done paid. Uh, there's a skyscraper right there. I don't even know how much that costs. I paid $25,000 for this and I got $2 to my name and you're hoping and praying that that person just lands on your property. And then while you're playing, Monop- while, you're, while it's your turn to go, you got the dice in your hand and you're just like, Father, in the name of Jesus, I come before you humbly. Your humble servant. You know who I am. I've served you, Lord. I've loved you, Lord. I've honored you, Lord. And in the moment, so you know, like, I can get a five or I can get like a six, you know what I mean? Or a a 12 and I'll be okay. In the moment that you let the dice go, there's this like pure, pristine hope. And you like squint out of your eyes and you're like, and it's either utter, utter defeat or supreme joy. Like it's, it's one of those two emotions. But here's the thing though, as the game goes on and you keep being disappointed, either you keep landing on hotels or nobody is landing on the property that you've invested in, you just are like, man, I give up. So when me and my friends play and it's getting kind of grim like that, people just like start looking at their phones. They start getting up making sandwiches. They literally like, they check out. They give up. They start, or they get super upset and they like flip the Monopoly board. Have y'all, do y'all play Monopoly? Has, has that divided your families in a real way? Have you, hey, do y'all watch Blackish? Yo, they got a, that Monopoly episode. Brooke, you were so right. Go watch the Monopoly episode of Blackish if you've ever played Monopoly in your life. It's the truest, truest thing y'all ever see. But yeah, so listen, you either give up, you check out, or you get mad, right? And you start flipping stuff, right? And this is why it hurts to have hope. Because with hope, hope is always present in the face of disappointment. You could always be disappointed. And that's why so many of us say, man, it hurt, I can't hope for this thing anymore. It hurts too much 
You give up or you just get mad and act all ugly, not like the father taught you to act. My dad, so, um, my dad at one point, uh, had a, I think a pinched nerve in his back, but also like a couple months earlier, he was um, playing basketball or something random. And like, I think he did like a jump shot. And my dad is a big guy. You know what I'm saying? He's like, you know what I'm saying? But he, and he's also like, in his 50, he was in his 50s at this point. So I think he went up for a jump shot. He had some skills, but he's still like, okay, dad. And he came down wrong and tore a ligament, right? So he um, wasn't able to walk really well. So he's already like a pretty big guy. He's unable to walk well. And then he gets this pinched nerve in his back. And I remember we were, I think I was home for a Christmas break or I was, still, I was this is after graduation, I was living at home. And we were both home at the same time. And I hear him, it was a blood curdling shriek. I mean, screaming. I didn't know what to do. I came running to the room and I was like, dad, what's going on? And he just was like, it, like he couldn't even answer me because he was screaming so bad. And I just was like, oh, I didn't know what to do. Like, except for like, Lord, heal him, heal him. You know, so, um, <clears throat> So he actually ended up having a doctor's appointment later that day. And thankfully the pain had subsided by the time it was ready, uh, time for us to get ready to go. And because my father wasn't super physically able, like I had to help him like leave the house. He had torn a ligament in his knee or his ankle one and two, and he just couldn't like get around. And we have steps going into our house, up the stairs. So we were getting ready to leave the house. And I think I did something weird like, I don't know, and he snapped at me. And I, of course, was offended, which is in my nature. And he, of course, knowing his daughter, we're the same person, like we have really similar uh, personalities. He, um, he, was, he felt really like bad for snapping on me like that. And what he said to me, <clears throat> he was like almost, and almost immediately he apologized. He said, Aaron, I was so, I'm so, short, so sorry I was short with you. The anticipation of pain is making me cross. First of all, my dad use, uses words like cross in everyday <laughs> language. But, yo, that's what's, I, and literally as I was thinking about hope and how difficult it is to still have hope, to press on and carry on hope, yo, the anticipation of pain, the anticipation of failure, yo, it just is too much. So you just shut down. You just say, Lord, just for, I, I can't, I'm not even going to try no more. I'm saved, I've been sanctified, I've been baptized, but stuff still ain't added up. Like, I just, I can't, it hurts me too much to hope anymore. See, my dad, he wanted to be pain-free. He wanted to be able to walk without assistance. He didn't want his daughter to help him, be helping him down the stairs. But he knew that if he made the wrong move, that overwhelming pain would return immediately. And then when you have that kind of pain, you think, once it starts, I don't know if it's ever going to stop. And that's, I see that truth in my life right now. There are so many things that I've prayed for, so many things that I've cried for, that I just am like, God, I can't trust you anymore for this. I can't. I am tired. Because if it keeps not happening, I don't, it, it feels like it'll never, ever happen. And listen, we're creatures of experience. That's how we learn. If your mom says, don't touch the hot stove, you take that for what it is, a suggestion. You touch the hot stove and you get burned and you're like, oh yeah, I'll never touch the, heart, the hot stove again. Somebody should have told me that. That was a really costly lesson. So... 
I think the reason why it's hard for us to have hope is because we've been disappointed. And if you're feeling like I can't hope anymore, don't be discouraged. There's no blame on you. Don't hear this sermon. Don't hear these words as a, a, a way for you, uh, as a call for you to repentance. But this is an invitation that God sees you in your lack. He sees your longing. He sees your hunger and he sees your thirst. And he's here and he's promising to satisfy it. How many times have we prayed? How many times have I prayed? God, I want to be totally free from sin. I don't ever want to say another hurtful word. I don't ever want to be prideful again. I don't ever want to lust again. I don't ever want to tell another lie. I don't ever want to doubt you again. I don't ever want to be greedy. I don't ever want to mistreat my body. I don't ever want to overindulge. I don't ever want to be bitter again. I don't want to be addicted anymore. Or how many times have we prayed, God, I want my family to be whole. I need my kids to be saved. I want to be a mother. I want to be a father. I want to be treated well. I need a job that provides stability. I want to be healed in my body. I want to be reunited with my sister, my mother, my father, my brother. I need financial stability. Or we're praying, God, please make an end to the violence in this community. God, I want to see an end to poverty. I want everybody to be treated well. I want us to protect the environment. We pray these prayers over and over. But when we look around, it feels like more of the same. That's not an experience that's unique to you. Let me tell you, the body of Christ feels it. In fact, all of creation is feeling it right now. The waiting to be redeemed. The waiting to be fully saved. The waiting to be fully made whole. Proverbs 13, 12. says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. I remember the first time I saw that. I didn't know that was in the Bible. I was like 23. I was just like, what? Nobody talked about this in church. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. And it just, it literally just, it was like a breath of fresh air. It was like, yo, even God knows what it feels like. He knows what it feels like to be disappointed. What it feels like to be let down like this. I'm not the only one feeling like this. I'm not the only one praying and praying and trying to be right and trying to be perfect and trying to have it all together. And I just don't. And I'm tired. I love that scripture. I wanted to tattoo it on my forehead. (laughs) And we're left with the question, why are we still stumbling? Why are we still grappling with particular areas of sin in our lives, with particular areas of suffering? Why is it that the gap that we see between what is and what could be seems insurmountable? It seems that we can never make that leap over into what could be, no matter what we do. I know that Paul knows the feeling. Elena, if you could put up that next slide. Paul in chapter 7 says, For I know that good in good itself does not dwell in me. That is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? I'll read it again. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me. That is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good that I want to do. But the evil I don't want to do. 
This I keep on doing. What a wretched woman I am. Who will rescue me from the body that is subject to death? But sometimes knowing that Paul knows what we're going through doesn't quite all the way help us. Because sometimes the pain of hope, the pain of hoping feels like too much. It feels like too much to expect that things should be going the way that they should be. There's too much pain in the waiting. There's too much pain in the space of what is and what could be. So what happens when we let that fear of disappointment take place? We're feeding a crazy, evil, angry beast. Fear wants to paralyze you. Fear wants to keep you from doing what God has called you to do. Fear wants to keep you silent. Fear wants to keep you immobile. Fear wants to keep you lashing out at those you love. Lashing out at those you serve. Lashing out at people that wrong you. That's what the fear of disappointment does. Toya was telling me earlier today, she said I could share this, that we were singing at another church this morning on the praise team. And while we were singing... She just was like, God, I'm so tired of not being right. I'm so tired. I, I know what I should do, and I don't, I, I just, I don't always do it. Sometimes it feels like I took three steps ahead and I take two steps back in my obedience to you. Or it could be for anybody in here. It could be like in my finances. It's like I get three steps ahead and I take two steps back. And it's just like, Lord, please just come right now. But I'd like to make a distinction between waiting for Jesus to come and despairing resignation versus expecting Jesus Jesus to come in hopeful anticipation. Because here in this world, he's given us a way to live an empowered life. And even though we don't always get it right because we're still bound, we're still, I'm sorry, we're not still bound, but we still have to deal with this body of sin. We still have to deal with this fleshly body. He gives us his spirit that empowers us, that spurs us on to hope, that spurs us on to newness of life, that reminds us that we're forgiven, that we're loved, that we are approved of. I didn't know what else, I didn't know where to go from this, um, in this point, because this is something I still deal with, but as I was uh, thinking and praying about this, I, uh, Romans 8 is what came to me, and I'm going to read it, so I ask that you guys, if you will, you don't have to do this, um, if it helps you to hear better, if your eyes are closed, you can do that, just relax, hear these words, and there's a bunch, there's a bunch of different uh, versions Hodgepodge together. I thought that was okay. First, I'll read a little bit from verse 7, what I just read before. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, This I keep on doing. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Paul goes on to say, Yet, what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day. 
when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join with God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. We long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. And if we already have something, we don't need to hope. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. Meanwhile, the moment we get tired in the waiting, God's spirit is right alongside helping us along. If we don't know how or what to pray, it doesn't matter. He does our praying in and for us, making prayer out of our wordless sighs, our aching groans. He knows us far better than we know ourselves, knows our pregnant condition, and keeps us present before God. That's why we can be so sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justified. Who is then the one who condemns? No one. Who is then the one that condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died more than that who was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us who shall separate us from the love of Christ shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword no in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Know this, when God looks at you, even though you slipped up last week, last night, last month, last year, 10 seconds ago, He says, I know you, I see you, I foreknew you, I called you, I justified you, I love you, I approve of you. You're in good standing with me. And you might say, yeah, but my family ain't right. He says, I love you. Yeah, but I sinned yesterday. I love you. Yeah, but you didn't know. Yeah, I love you. I messed up real, real bad. You're mine. I approve of you. And he gives us hope. That even though we just somehow can't seem to get it all the way right in this life, he'd put a down payment in us, that uh, a down payment of his spirit in us for a promise that when he comes again, everything that's wrong is going to be made right. 
Every tear will be wiped from our eyes. Everything that we lack, that we lack right now will have an abundance. Just like the psalmist says, the Lord will accomplish that which concerns me. Your loving kindness, O Lord, is everlasting. First Corinthians says, he will sustain you to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. And this is our hope. Our hope that when, it, when we're saying, man, what is and what could be ain't matching up, I can't see it yet. That the spirit itself empowers us to hope in God all the more, to trust in Christ, the hope of glory all the more. So people of God, hope in God. When your soul is feeling downcast, depressed, anxious, hope in God. And when it hurts to hope anymore, that's when the spirit in a moment is interceding for you on your behalf. When you don't know what to pray, I can't pray another prayer. Don't worry, the Spirit of God is praying for you. The Spirit of God is interceding. The Spirit of God knows the mind of God. And he's telling God, listen, she trying, he trying, keep with her. And God is saying, I know, that's my child. I love her, I love him. In Lamentations 20, in Lamentations chapter three, Jeremiah says, when I considered my state, when I considered how wretched I was, oh, the wormwood and the gall. He was like, yo, I just, I had to like shut down on myself. And this one thing I recall to my mind. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. His compassion fails not. They are renewed every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. So I, I, there may be some of us in this room who might be saying, yo, I'm trying and I'm trying and I'm trying and I'm trying to be right. I'm trying to do right, but I can't. And you've never made a decision to follow Jesus. I encourage you to make that decision today. The hope, the blessed assurance that comes when you make that, de- that decision to trust in God, to come, in, to, to, come to saving faith. That'll keep you in those long nights, those long silent nights where you feel like your tears are going to be the only thing that you feel, the only thing, the only way that you express yourself. The spirit of God will be there for you. The God of all comfort will be there for you. I pray that you would make that decision today. I'm going to ask the prayer team if y'all would go see y'all's positions. And the band, y'all can come up. If you know, if you're in this room and you know I've never chosen to follow Jesus, I implore you today, make a choice for Jesus Christ. The Father loves you. The Father cares for you. He's waiting for you with open arms. He wants to give you peace that passes all understanding. He wants to give you joy like a river that overflows. And if you're here, and if, so if you're here and you want to make that type of decision, go to each, any one of these people against the walls. They can pray with you. They can pray for you. They can lead you into how to make that type of decision. And also, if you're here and you know you know God, you know it. You signed, sealed, delivered. Amen. But you're just like, yo, all I feel is despair right now. I don't see no light at the end of the tum- at the end of the tunnel. I only see darkness. I only see how this world is messed up. I only see how I messed up. I pray that you also reach out 
come up and receive prayer. Have the people of God pray with, pray with you, pray over you. That the Spirit of God would make you alive again. That it, it would awaken a hope, a refreshed, a renewed hope in the God of your salvation. I pray that each person in here would be filled with God's Spirit. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would come right now. Be with your people, God. Comfort us. Restore us. Renew our hope. Renew our trust in you. God, remind us that even though there's pain in the waiting, your spirit is right there. Your spirit is right there. Your word says that you are near to the brokenhearted. You're near to the downtrodden, to the crushed in spirit, God. Lord, I pray a spirit of healing in this room. Lord, I know you want to heal your people. I, I know you want your people to be free. Lord, we hope, we put our hope in you that you, you're coming again. You've come before, and we believe that you're coming in. We're expecting that day with joyful anticipation. Even though our bodies might be suffering, even though we still might fall, God, we know that one day everything is going to be made right. You're going to give us our new bodies. We're going to be glorified. We won't be weak anymore. We'll only be strong through you. We glorify you, God. Amen. David, you can come on up. Um, got to admit, that was the most um, depressing hope message I ever heard. Um, and my time of hearing sermons on hope. Um, but it's also the most realest one I've ever heard. I think sometimes um, to get the reaction, we can um, make things kind of surface level. Um, so I just I just really sense that some people here with just really heavy hearts. And um, Aaron and I were talking earlier this week. Um, just talking about hard stuff. And she said that she had to preach uh, on hope. And I literally busted out laughing um, because um, that's how real life is, right? Where um, whether or not you feel like hope is happening, um, we got to believe in the word of God, whether we feel like hope is happening or not. And one of the great things... Um, it's not just only the discipline of reading scripture that gives us hope, but it's the ritual of communion that gives us hope. The ritual of communion says that on the very night when Jesus said, could this bitter cup pass from me, which is a similar prayer that many of you all are praying, and I've been praying this week, and that Aaron has been praying this week, could this bitter cup pass it was the will of the Father that Jesus would die of this painful death. And before he goes to that, he prepares his disciples. And 
on the very night that he was betrayed, he took some bread and he broke it. And I said, this is my body. Like, I'm going to experience brokenness so that the consequences of your brokenness won't be the same. And then he took a cup of wine and he said, this is my blood. So it represents the new covenant. And he wants you to drink this in remembrance that Jesus' cleansing blood was shed. And it's really in this ritual is why as we as believers have hope. Even when we don't have hope in ourselves, we don't have hope in our community, when our community disappoints us, when we disappoint ourselves, when our family disappoints us, it's the word of God and it's this ritual that represents what this whole story is about. So what I want to do is just call the uh, servers to come on up. And as we sing songs, as we sing about the Passover, the, the thing that gives us hope, be praying, engage in this ritual. There will be people on the sides that will uh, be here um, to pray for you or pray with you. And here's some pillars of just, you just want to pray with God by yourself.